Hi, I'm Josh, and welcome to LitCast. Today I'll be reading lines 2,200 to 2,344. A lot was to happen in later days, in the fury of battle. Hyglick fell, and the shelter of Hyrdred's shield proved useless. Against the fierce aggression of the Shiflings, ruthless swordsmen, seasoned campaigners, they came against him and conquering nations with cruel force cut him down, so that afterwards the wide kingdom reverted to Beowulf. He ruled it well, for fifty winters grew old and wise as a warden of the land until one began to dominate the dark, a dragon of the prow. From the steep vaults of a stone-roofed barrow, where he guarded a horde, there was a hidden passage unknown to men, but someone managed to enter by and interfere with the heathen trove. He had handled and removed a gem-studded goblet. It gained him nothing, though with a thieves' wiles he had outwitted the sleeping dragon. That drove him into rage, as the people of the country would soon discover. The intruder who broached the dragon's treasure and moved him to wrath had never meant to. It was desperation on the part of a slave, fleeing the heavy hand of some master, guilt-ridden and on the run, going to ground, but he soon began to shake with terror and shock. The wretch panicked and ran away from the precious metalwork. There were many other heirlooms, heaped inside the earth house because long ago with deliberate care somebody now forgotten had buried the riches of a high-born race in this ancient cache cache death had come and taken them all in times gone by and the only one left to tell their tale the last of their line come look forward to nothing but the same fate for himself he foresaw that his joy in the treasure would be brief. A newly constructed barrow stood waiting on a wide headland close to the waves, its entryway secured. Into it the keeper of the hoard and carried all the goods and golden ware worth preserving. His words were few. Now earth, hold what earls once held. The heroes can no more. It was mined from you first by honorable men, my own people. Have it re- ruined in war, one by one. They went down to death, looked their last on sweet life in the hall. I am left with nobody. To bear a sword or burnish plated goblets, put a sheen on the cup. The companies have departed. The hard helmet uh, hasped with gold will be striped of its hoops. And the helmet shiner who should polish the metal on the war mask sleeps. The coat of mail that came through all fights through shield collapse and cut of sword decays with the warrior, nor may webbed mail range far and wide on the warlord's back. Besides his mustered troops, no trembling harp, no tuned timber, no tumbling hawk swerving through the hall, no swift horse. Uh, pawing the courtyard, pillage and slaughter have emptied the earth of entire peoples. And so he mounted as he moved from the world deserted and alone, lamenting his unhappiness. Day and night until the earth's death's flood, 
brimmed up in his heart. And then an old horror of the dark happened to find the hoard open. The burning one who haunts out burrows, the slick-skinned dragon threatening the night sky with streams of fire. People on the farms are in dread of him. He is driven to hunt out hordes underground to guard heathen gold throughout age-long vigils. Though to little avail for three centuries, this scourge of the people had stood guard on the stoutly protected underground treasury until the intruder unleashed its fury. He hurried to his lord with the gold-plated cup and made his plea to be reinstated. Then the vault was rifled and the ring hoard robbed, and the wretched man had his request granted. His master gazed on that find from the past for the first time. When the dragon awoke, trouble flared again. He ripped down the rock, writhing with anger. When he saw the footprints of the prowler who had stolen too close to his dreaming head so many so may a man not marked by fate easily escape exile and woe by the grace of god the horde guardian scorched the earth as he scoured and hunted for the trespasser who had troubled his sleep hot and savage he kept circling and circling outside of the mound no man appeared in that desert waste but he worked himself up by imagining battle. Then back in he would go in search of the cup, only to discover signs that someone had stumbled upon the golden treasures. So the guardian of the mound, the horde watcher, waited for the gloaming with fierce impatience. His pent-up fury at the loss of the vessel made him long to hit back and lash out in flames. Then, to his delight, the day waned, and he could wait no longer behind the wall, but hurtled forth in a fiery blaze. The first to suffer were the people on the land, but before long it was their treasure-giver who had come to grief. The dragon began to belch out flames and burn bright homesteads. There was a hot glow of scared uh, everyone, for the vile skywingers would leave nothing alive in his wake. Everywhere the havoc he wrought was in evidence, far and near. The great nation bore the burnt of the brutal assaults and virulent haste. Then back to the horde, he would dart before daybreak to hide in his den. He had swinged the land uh, and swathed it in flame in the fire and burning, and now he felt secure in the vaults of his borrow. But his trust was unavailing. Then Beowulf was given bad news, a hard truth, his own home. The best of buildings had been burnt to a cinder, the throne room of the Geats. It threw the hero into deep anguish and darkened his mood. The wise man thought he must have thwarted ancient ordinance of the internal lore, broken his commandment. His mind was in turmoil. Unaccustomed anxiety and gloom confused his brain. The fire dragon had raised the coastal region and reduced forts and earthworks to dust and ashes. So the war king planned and plotted his revenge. The warrior's protector, prince of the hall troops, ordered a marvelous all-iron shield from his smithy works. 
He well knew that the linden boards would let him down and the timber burn. After many trials, he was destined to face the end of his days in the mortal worlds as he was the dragon for all his long leasehold on the treasure. So, looking at what I read, obviously a lot has changed. Um, this is getting to the end of Beowulf's reign, which has been about 50 years, which is a very long period. Um, some of the main differences is there isn't quite the same atmosphere when he was a warrior. I think there isn't the same respect in the culture, and there's a lot of war among the outside nations. There's things like the servants don't respect the masters anymore. This is kind of what triggered the dragon in the first place when the servant person or slave stole the golden chalice. Um, I think the this kind of the dragon is almost... A representation of a settling, equalizing force kind of to set things back because since Grendel and Grendel, Grendel's mother, things have been a little too easy and there's been a lot of war amongst themselves since they don't have to worry about danger outside of their own communities um beowulf going into this has a very different um approach he seems a little more wary um he even has his the it talks about armor and weapons and stuff so that's different um yeah i think those are some of the main things that i picked up on there's also a very large emphasis on the treasure and how it was forgotten and the history of it as why it's there. I think that also speaks to where they are at and how their culture has somewhat changed. But thank you for listening. And yep. Hi, my name is Katie and welcome to LitCast. Today, I will be reading lines 2,345 to 2,489 from Beowulf. Yet the Prince of the Rings was too proud to line up with an army against the Sky Plague. He had scant regard for the dragon as a threat, no dread at all of its courage or strength, for he had kept going often in the past, through perils and ordeals of every sort, after he had purged Hrothgar's halls, triumphed in Herat, and beaten Grendel. He outgrappled the monster and his evil kin. One of his cruelest hand-to-hand -hand encounters had happened when Hygelic, king of Geats, was killed in Friesland, the people's friend and lord. Hrethel's son slaked a sword's blade, thirst for blood. But Beowulf's prodigious gifts as a swimmer guaranteed his safety. He arrived at the shore shouldering thirty battle dresses, the booty he had won. There was little for the hetwear to be happy about, as they shielded their faces and fighting on the ground began in earnest. With Beowulf against them, few could hope to return home. 
Across the wide sea, desolate and alone, the son of Ekthau swam back to his people. There, Hygd offered him throne and authority as lord of the Ringhorde. With Hygelic dead, she had no belief in her son's ability to defend their homeland against foreign invaders. Yet, there was no way the weakened nation could get Beowulf to give in and agree to be elevated over Hedred as his lord or to undertake the office of kingship. But he did provide support for the prince, honored and minded him until he matured as ruler of Geatland. Then, over sea rods, exiles arrived, sons of Othir. They had rebelled against the best of all of the sea kings in Sweden, the one who had held sway in the Shifling nation, their renowned prince, lord of the Mead Hall. That marked the end for Hygelic's son. His hospitality was mortally rewarded with wounds from a sword. Her dread lay slaughtered, and Onela returned to the land of the Sweden, leaving Beowulf to ascend the throne, to sit in majesty and rule over the gates. He was a good king. In days to come, he contrived to avenge the fall of his prince, his befriended Eadgils, when Eadgils was friendless, aiding his cause with weapons and warriors over the wide sea, sending him men. The feud was settled on a comfortless campaign when he killed Onela. And so the son of Ekthau had survived every extreme, excelling himself in daring and in danger, until the day arrived when he had come to face to face with the dragon. The lord of the Geats took eleven comrades and went in a rage to reconnoitre. When then he had discovered the cause of the affliction being visited on the people, the precious cup had come to him from the hand of the finder, the one who had started all this strife, and was now added as a thirteenth in their number. They press-ganged and compelled this poor creature to be their guide. Against his will, he led them to the earth vault he alone knew, an underground barrow near the sea billows and heaven and heaving waves, heaped inside with exquisite metalwork. The one who stood guard with, was dangerous and watchful, warden of that trove buried under earth. No easy bargain would be made in the place of any man. The veteran king sat down on the cliff top. He wished good luck to the Geats, who had shared his hearth and his gold. He was sad at heart, unsettled yet ready, sensing his death. His fate hovered near, unknowable but certain. It would soon claim his coffered soul, part from limb, life from limb. Before long, the prince's spirit would spin free from his body. Beowulf, son of Ekthau, spoke. Many a skirmish I survived when I was young, and many times of war, I remember them well. At seven, I was fostered out by my father, left in charge of my people's lord. King Hrethel kept me and took care of me. I was open-handed, behaved like kinsmen. When I was his ward, he treated me no worse as a ween about the place than one of his own boys. Herebeald and Haithikin, or my own Hygelic. For their eldest, Herebeald, was unexpected deathbed was laid out. Through a brother's doing... When Hathkin bent his horn-tipped bow and loosed the arrow that destroyed his life, he shot wide and buried a shaft in the flesh of and blood of his own brother. That offense was beyond red dress, a wrong footing of the heart's affections, for who could avenge the prince's life or pay his death price? It was like the misery felt by an old man who has lived to see his son's body swing on the gallows. He begins to keen and weep for his boy, Watching the raven gloat where he hangs, he can be of no help. The wisdom of age is worthless to him. Morning after morning, he wakes to remember that his child is gone. He has no interest in living on until another heir is born in the hall, now that his firstborn has entered death's dominion forever. He gazes sorrowfully at his son's dwelling, the banquet hall beer fit of all daylight, the window swept hearthstone, the horsemen are sleeping, the warriors underground, what, what? It was is no more 
No tunes from the harp, no cheer raised in the yard. Alone with his longing, he lies down on the bed and sings a lament, everything seems too large, and steadings on the field. Such was the feeling of loss endured by the Lord of the Geats. After Herebeald's death, he was helplessly placed to set the rights of the wrong committed. Could not punish the killer in accordance with the law of the blood feud, although he felt no love for him. Heart sore wearied, he turned away from the life's joys, chose God's light, and departed, leaving buildings and lands to his sons, as a man of substance will. Then, over the wide sea, Swedes and Geats battled and feuded and fought without quarter. Hostilities broke out when Hrethel died. Angenthal's sons were unrelenting, refusing to make peace, campaigning violently from coast to coast, constantly setting up terrible ambushes around Hall. My own kith and kin avenged these evil events, and everybody knows, but the prince was high. One of them paid with his life. Hathkin, lord of the Geats, met his fate there and fell into battle. Then, as I have heard, Hygelic's sword was raised in the morning against Angathau, his brothers killed. When Efor cleft, the old Swede's helmet halved it open. He fell, death pale. His foed calloused hands could not stave off the fatal stroke. In this chapter, Beowulf is crowned king and spends time thinking back on the death of one of his kinsmen. It's mostly a story about what had happened and when a brother killed brother, which was mentioned earlier in the story, uh, some type of foreshadowing. Hello, my name is Josh and welcome to LitCast. Today I'll be reading lines 2490 to 2619 of Beowulf. The treasures that Haylock lavished on me I paid for when I fought, as fortune allowed me with my glittering sword. He gave me land and security land brings, so he had no call to go looking for some lesser champion, some mercenary from another Githans, or the Spearhead, Spear Danes, or the Men of Sweden. I marched ahead of him, always there, at the front of the line, and I shall fight like that, as for as long as I live, as long as the sword shall last, which has stood me in good stead late and soon, ever since I killed Dra- Day Raven, the Frank, in front of two armies. He brought back no looted breastplate to the Frisian king, but fell in battle. Their standard bear, high-born and brave, no sword sent him to his death. My bare hands stilted his heartbeats and wrecked the bone house. Now blade in, in hand, sword and sword stroke, will say the horde. Beowulf spoke, made a formal boast. For the last time, I risked my life, often when I was young. Now I am old, but as king of the people, I shall pursue this fight for the, for the glory of winning. If the evil one will only abandon his heart, earth for it and face me in the open. Then he addressed each com- can- companion one final time, whose fighters in their helmets resolute and highborn. I would rather not use a weapon if I knew another way to grapple with the dragon and make good my boasts as I did against Grendel in my in days gone by. But I shall be meeting a molten venom in the fire he breathes. So I go forth in mail shirt and shield. I wouldn't shift a foot when I meet the cave guard that occurs on the wall between the two of us will turn out as fate. Overseer of men decides. 
I am resolved, and scorn further words against the skyborn foe. Men at arms, remain here at, on the burrow, safe in your armor to see which one of us is better in the day of at bearing wounds in deadly fray. This fight is not yours, nor is it up to any man except me to measure his strength against the monster or to prove his worth. I shall win the gold by my courage, or else mortal combat. Doom of battle will bear your lord away. Then he drew himself up beside his shield, and the fabled warrior in his war shirt and helmet trusted in his own strength entirely, and went under the crag, no coward path. Hard by the rock face that hail veteran, a good man, who has gone repeatedly in the combat and danger come through, saw a stone arch and a gushing, gushing stream that burst from the barrel, blazing and wafting a deadly heat. It would have been hard to survive unscathed near the horde to hold firm against the dragon and the flaming depths. Then he gave a shout. The ward of the Geeds unburdened his breast and broke out in a storm of anger. Under gray stone, his voice challenged and resounded clearly. Hate was ignited. The horde guarded recognized the human voice. The time was over for peace and parlaying, pouring forth in a hot battle fume. The breath of the monster burst from the rock. There was a rumble under the ground. Down there in the barrel, Beowulf the warrior lifted his shield, the outlandish thing, writhed and convulsed and viciously turned on the king, those keen whose keen-edged sword, an heirloom inherited by, the, by ancient right, was already in his hand. Roused to a fury, each antagonist strike to, struck terror in the other. Unyielding, the lord of his people loomed by his tall shield, sure of his ground, while the serpent loomed and unleashed, looped and unleashed itself. Swaddled in flames, it came gliding and flexing, and raced towards its fate, yet the shield defended the renowned leader, life and limb, for shorter than he meant it to. That final day was the first time when Beowulf fought and fate denied him. Glory in battle, so the king of the Geeds raised his hand and struck hard at the, the enabled scales, but scarcely cut through. The blade flashed and slashed, yet the blow was far less powerful than the hard-pressed king had need at the moment. The bound keeper went into a spasm and spouted deadly flames. Then he felt the stroke. Battle, uh, battle fire billed and spewed. Beowulf was foiled of a glorious victory. The glittering sword, unfailable before the, that day, failed when he unsheathed it as it never should have. For the son of Ecatho, it was no easy thing to have to give ground like that and go, unwillingly to inhabit another home. In a place beyond, so every man must yield the leash house of his days. Before long, the fierce contenders clashed again. The horde guard took heart and hailed and swelled up. 
and got a new wind. He who had once ruled was furled in fire and had to face the worst. No help or backing was to be had then from the high-born comrades. That hand-picked troop broke ranks and ran for their wives to the safety of the wood. But within one heart's horror, sorrow swelled up in a man of forth. The claims of kingship, kinship cannot be denied. His name was Wigolf, the son of Wulstan, a well-regarded uh, shyling warrior related to Alth here. When he saw his lord, tormented by the heat of the scaling helmet, he remembered the bountiful gifts bestowed on him, how well he lived among the well-longings, the free house he inherited from his father before him. He could not hold back. One hand brandished the yellow-timbered shield, the other drew a sword, the ancient blade that was said to have belonged to Enmud. Uh, the son of Oath there. The one Wolfstan had sta slain when he was exiled without friends. He carried the arms of his victim's kinfold, the burnished helmet, the web chain mail, and the relic of the giants. But Olea returned the weapons to him, rewarded Oathstan with and Mud's war gear. He ignored the blood feud, the fact that Mud was his brother's son. Okay. So what I think that all meant was at the beginning, Beowulf uh, recalls his days of young, of how great he was at one point. Then he addresses his companions one final time before he fights the dragon on... Basically, um, if he could have fought the dragon with bare hands, he would, but this time he needed a sword. Then he goes out and fights the dragon, who seems to be a stronger opponent than Grendel, and before long couldn't, his sword failed him, and he couldn't, uh, come out victorious but in the wake of his um, misery and losing uh, all of his army fell behind except for one man who is then explained on who he is and how he has the armor he has and the gear that he has that I assume he will end up helping. Alright, thanks for listening to Whitcast. We'll stand kept that war gear for a lifetime, the sword and the mole shirt, till it was the son's turn to follow his father and perform his part. Then in old age, at the end of his days, among the weather geats, he behooled to will golf innumerable weapons, and now they use was to enter the line of battle with his lord. His first time to be tested as a fighter, his spear did not break, and the ancestral blade would keep its edge as the dragon discovered as soon as they came together in the combat. Sad at heart, addressing his companions, Wogolf spoke wise and fluent words, 
I remember that time when med was flowing, how we pledged loyalty to our Lord in the hall. Promised our ring giver we'd be worth our price. Make good the gift of the war gear. Those swords and helmets, as and when his need required it, he picked us out from the army deliberately, honored us and judged us fit for action, made me these lavish gifts and all because he considered us the best of his arm bearing things. And now, although he wanted this challenge to be one, he faced by himself alone, the shepherd of our land, a man unequaled in the quest for glory and a name for Daring, now the day has come when the Lord we serve needs sound men to give him their support. Let us go to him, help our leader through the hot flame and dread of fire. As God is my witness, I would rather my body were robbed in the same burning blades as my gold giver's body than go back home bearing arms. That is unthinkable, unless we have first slain the foe and defended the life of the price of the weather geats. I well know... The things he has done for us deserve better. Should he alone be left exposed to fall in battle, we must bind together shield and helmet, mail, shirt, and sword. Then he waited, he wadded the dangerous reek and went under arms to his lord, saying only, Go on, dear Beowulf, do everything you said you would when you were still young and vowed you would never let your name and fame be dim while you live. Your deeds are famous. To stay resolute, my lord, defend your life now. With the, with the whole of your strength, I shall stand by you. After those words, a wildness rose, and the dragon once again drove it to attack, heaving up fire, hunting for enemies, the humans it loathed. Flames lapped the shield, charred it to the boss, and the body armor on the young warrior was useless to him. Wilgoth did well under the wide rim. Beowulf shared with him once his own had shattered in sparks and ashes. Inspired again by the thought of glory, the war king knew his whole strength behind a sword, stroke, and connected with the skull, and nagging snap. Beowulf's ancient iron gray sword let him down in the fight. It was never his fortune to be helped in combat by the cutting edge of weapons made of iron. When he wielded a sword, no matter how blooded and hard and hard-edged the blade his hand was too strong the stroke he dealt would ruin it he could reap no advantage then the bane of that people the third then the bane of the people the fire-breathing dragon was mad to attack for a third time when a chance came he caught the hero in a rush of flame and clamped sharp fangs into his neck Beowulf's body ran wet with his blood with his lifeblood it came welling out Next thing they say, the noble son of Westan saw the king in danger at his side and displayed his inborn bravery and strength. He left the head alone, but his fighting hand was burned when he came to the kingsman's aid. He lunged at the arm he lunged at the enemy, lowered down so that his decorated sword sank into his belly and the flames grew weaker. Once again, the king gathered his strength and drew a stabbing knife he carried on his belt, sharpened for battle. He stuck it deep into the dragon's flank. Beowulf dealt it a deadly wound that had killed the enemy. Courage quelled his life. The, that pair of kingsmen, partners in nobility, had destroyed the foe, so every man should act, be at hand when needed. But now, for the king, this 
would be the last of his many labors and triumphs in the world. Then the wound dealt by the ground burner earlier began to scald and swell. Beowulf discovered deadly poison separating inside him, surges of nausea and so and his wisdom. The prince realized his state and struggled toward a seat on the rampart. He stead he steadied his gaze on those gigantic stones, saw how the artwork was braced and braced with arches built over columns, and now that thing unequaled for goodness with his own hands washed his lord's wounds, swabbed the weary prince with water, bathed him clean, unbuckled his helmet. Beowulf spoke in spite of his words, mortal wounds he still spoke, for he well knew his days in the world had been lived out to the end. His allotted time was drawing to a close. Death was very near. Now it is time when I would have wanted to bestow this armor on my own son. Had it been my fortune to have fathered an heir, an heir and live on his flesh, live on in his flesh. For 50 years I ruled this nation. No king of any neighboring clan would dare face me with troops. None had the power to intimidate me. I took what came, cared for and stood by things in my keeping never fermented quarrels never swore to a lie all this consoles me doomed as i am and sickening for death because of my right ways the ruler of mankind need never blame me when the breath leaves my body for murder of kinsmen go now quickly dearest woke off under the gray stone where the dragon is laid out lost to his treasure hurry to feast your eyes on the hoard away you go i want to examine that ancient gold gaze my fill on those garnered jewels my going will be easier for having seen the treasure a less troubled letting go of the life and lordship i have long maintained so basically after wulgoth's father dies he is left with his armor um he's left with his armor to protect his ring giver beowulf the king and he gives a speech talking about uh talking about sacrifices Beowulf has made and how great of a king he is, but that how he also needs to help in destroying the dragon. So after he gets the armor, he gives a speech talking about how Beowulf is great and all what he has done, but that basically they need to come together and hate and help Beowulf defeat the dragon. And then the one of the dragon attack dragon attacks happen. Uh the first attack is sudden and they're all surprised and not prepared. The second time Beowulf's great sword does nothing to the dragon and Beowulf fails to kill the dragon. And then lastly, Beowulf's last attempt with the dragon, he kills a dragon but suffers uh a battle scar and basically he's infected by the dragon and then after that he kind of sits soaks to himself and kind of accepts his fate and gives off some of his treasures and jewels to walk off